From Relevant Magazine, it's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, April 20th, 2012, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Hambone. Hey, everyone. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, Maya is not here. Maya is not here. She's on a, a plane right now coming back from a girls' weekend in Colorado. Hmm. So sitting in, hmm. the very lovely hmm. Calvin Kearley. Uh, you can call me Maya during this if you like. Okay. <laughs> We'd prefer not to. <laughs> Calvin heads up our marketing department here at Relevant, and um, he sits next to Chad. Oh, uh, who I haven't introduced yet. Are, uh, on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snapley. Thank you. Hello, friends. So th- since they're bunk mates, hmm. we thought... Uh, <laughs> we thought... Well, if Maya can't be here, let's get the next prettiest person in the office and have Calvin join us. You know, it, it feels like I already belong. <laughs> you do. We've been grooming him for this position all week. Literally, because he had to be pretty. Right. So we've been grooming right. him. We've had hair and makeup you, you, in here every you've, day. You've got 100 strokes a day. Right. <laughs> it's just you two in the bunk grooming each other. <laughs> These, uh, I mean, that's what bunkmates do, though. Right. You know, that's Naturally. part of being a bunkmate is mutual grooming. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Mutual so, grooming. So Marines and Navy SEALs, they uh, mutually grooming. groom each okay. other. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I, I, don't, I don't want any of that kind of trouble, so I'm not going to say that's true. <laughs> we have a great podcast lined up for you today, despite the start. Uh, coming up later... <laughs> Uh, we talked it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't like what you've heard, just cut it off now. <laughs> Listen to last week's. Yeah, um, we talked to one of our favorite new groups, Sucre. And uh, Sucre, you say how, how do you spell that? S U C R E, but the E has that thing over it. An umlaut? No, it's not an umlaut. It's like the Spanish accent thing. I think I have a Sucre table from IKEA, actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's sort of like an Ottoman slash table, right? Right, yeah. I haven't put it together yet, but... Well, until you have like five hours in your afternoon, don't bother. (laughs) And while you're putting it together, listen to Sucre, their new album. And eat Swedish meatballs. (laughs) Also, the sauce is called Sucre. (laughs) Uh, Also, later we talked to Nicole Baker Fulgram of the Expectations Project, which is uh, doing some really cool stuff uh, out of D.C. So stay tuned for that. But at first, your entertainment releases. Album's coming out on Tuesday, April 24th. Greg Laswell's coming out with Landline. It's a retro uh, album, Landline. Uh, Jamiroquai, speaking of retro, uh, Rock Dust Light Star. Who, who's the target demographic for Jamiroquai nowadays? The world. Awesome people. <laughs> yeah. okay. so, Humanity. Part, partiers. People like to fun. People who have moving floors in their houses that they dance on. Actually, that is still, honestly, that is still one of the coolest videos, music videos ever made. Like, it's not going to get any better than Shamiroquai. Like, it's it's virtual insanity, it, thriller, and everything else that's ever been. No, recorded. it's like, so, but, it, and it was honestly so groundbreaking because it was before OK Go started to mess with the music video and do visual tricks and stuff. So, I mean, it really was landmark in that era. It was literally virtual insanity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, coming out, the Dandy Warhols with this machine. Joe Pug has a new one, The Great Despiser. Eve Six. Why did you put this in? Oh, I'm so excited. Why did you put in Eve Because I knew Ryan would be so excited. Please make Here's to the Night the background song for this entire segment. That just came into my head as you said that. Well, I mean, your baby was conceived of that song, so. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the only way to make a baby. Obviously. Eve Six. Or Jamiroquai. Eve Six. (laughs) You just have a mixtape that's Eve Six and Jamiroquai. (laughs) And Semi-Sonic. It's just labeled 1995. You got to have a little closing time. Eve Six was like 99. Oh, you're right. That was 99. Eve Six was like 2000. 99. 99, 99, 2000. Because that's when the, I don't even remember the song, the Burn Burn Like a Wicker Basket one. Yeah. I I would swallow my pride. I would chew on the rye. What is that song? 
for the lack there. Find nothing but faith in nothing. I feel <laughs> empty inside. I something along those find lines. Find nothing but faith yeah. in nothing. Want to put my tender heart in a blender? Blender. Watch it spin around to beautiful, beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous that I'm through with you. This is a very that's a very negative song. Yeah, I hope they're. It is. I've never really listened to the lyrics. Just the catchy little riff. I like that it took you several seconds to find the word riff. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if that's technically a riff. I don't know what Eve Six is doing there. They're not, you know, they're not playing riffs. They're they're not rapping. No, kind nobody of rapping. knew. I think nobody knew what Eve Six was doing there. I think that's a hook. Uh, the new Radicals are coming out with. No, I'm, no kidding. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I was like, no, they broke up the week their album came out. The new Radicals. I there, love that there. album. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Remember about that? that? Yeah. Yeah. So Eve Six coming out. Uh, pick. Uh, here's our pick of the week. Jack White with Blunderbuss. Is it really called Blunderbuss? Yeah. Yes. yes. I don't own a firearm, but if I did, it'd be a blunder bus. And I would pity the, the individual who broke into my home. If uh, this podcast went, ever went on the road and we took it mobile, it'd be a blunder bus that we took. <laughs> I, I love blunder bus because they're, they're ba- it's basically like a trumpet with a trigger on it. <laughs> like it, it, it takes like 10 minutes to reload, but... If someone's aiming a blunderbuss at you, you know you know you made a huge mistake. <laughs> it also has the most emo. That album has the most emo cover of all time. What is it? It's like a blue tinted uh, shot of Jack White looking sad with a giant crow on his shoulder. <laughs> like it looks like. I mean, it looks like the lost Elliot Smith album. Too soon. Yeah. Elliot Smith has a new one coming out on <laughs> Tuesday. Um, sorry. Uh, okay, movie releases on Friday, April twenty seventh. The Raven, starring John Cusack. Does anyone else think John Cusack? I've only seen the trailer for it, but I think does it's anyone all else like, has seen. like? Why did they cast him in this? He looks yeah. like he kind of looks like Edgar Allan Poe. No, he though. doesn't. He kind of does. No, but they should have done somebody way more mysterious and freaky than well, and also John Cusack, like Joan I mean, Cusack. Like, like, <laughs> like man, th- this movie looks so dark and terrifying, like, yet shockingly likable. I don't know what it is. I just really like something about. This. Like if John Malkovich was was uh, Poe, or some, it was just somebody with a little more freaky. Well, I was also going to say, as I said that, I realized that Poe had those like really creepy looking sunken cheeks. And that's what they, they needed to find someone who was a little more macabre. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, John Cusack just Johnny doesn't Depp. strike me as like a dark, you know, a movie for like a dark timepiece thriller. Right. But that's really what Say Anything is at its heart. It is a timepiece, mm-hmm. like a Seiko. Yeah. Um, Safe is coming out, starring Jason Statham. Bernie, starring Jack Black, Shirley MacLaine, Matthew McConaughey. And The Five-Year Engagement. The new Jason Segel, Emily Blunt film, all coming out. So you have a lot of options if Joan Cusack doesn't, or John Cusack doesn't float your boat. Or Joan. Either one. If you have, yes, yeah, so you're if, not a Cusack fan. Yeah, there's plenty of other things. to There say. is a McConaughey film coming out, so so you're covered. <laughs> but he won't be. <laughs> so so your weekend is booked. <laughs> okay, that'll do it for entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Like Jazz the Movie is now playing in theaters. Catch the movie that Pace Magazine is calling witty, provocative, and life-affirming. New theaters have been added this week, so to find a theater, watch exclusive behind-the-scenes clips from the movie, interviews, and the Donald Miller video blog, go visit relevantmagazine.com slash bluelikejazz. You're listening to Godier. The song is Eyes Wide Open uh, from their new album, Making Mirrors. Now, they were on SNL last week, 
Did, did any of y'all see it? Yeah, it was great. They, they, great. they were great. Did they just play someone I used to know twice? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was, but they, it was great all the way around. Um, and 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 so I, I, I tweeted. Uh, it just it makes me happy to know that hundreds of thousands of people are online at this very moment trying to buy their album. And so like all of like the Australian people who follow me on Twitter, I didn't know they're Australian oh. until Twitter told me. Hmm. We're very proud of our band and nice. Australian rock. I didn't know. And then they did the SNL digital skit where you found out he was mm-hmm. foreign. It's because here too far, Australia's biggest musical import has been Silver Chair. And the Newsboys. And ACDC. And the Newsboys. And Rebecca St. James. Rebecca St. James. Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Irwin. Classic. <laughs> Does he have an album? I mean, I'm sure he may. <laughs> I'm sure he may. I'm looking this up right now. Why would Steve no, Irwin no, have an no album? Idea. I'm just saying he's their he biggest. He's their biggest cultural export. Could I would be, say no, even above Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Dundee. Crocodile Dundee is their biggest cultural export. Yeah. We're gonna have to d- agree to disagree on this one because <laughs> nothing's changed my mind about the relevance of Steve Irwin. Uh, the Wiggles has an album called Wiggly Safari, starring the Crocodile Hunter Steve Irwin. So yes. he is a musical export. Yes. Ah. Did he? Win I would assume so. You think? Every time he gets a crocodile, he wiggles a little bit. Well, the crocodile wiggles him. Yeah. Well, right. But I mean, it's like a chicken and the egg thing. Did he wiggle first? Yeah, potato, potato. You're advocating for the fact that if Steve Irwin was wrestling a crocodile, he's the one wiggling, not the crocodile. I'm saying you don't know if it's a crocodile or him first. The, The tail thrashing in the water. Maybe he started it with so, by pelvic, jumping on with him. his pelvic. The, those motions. crocodiles seem pretty docile <laughs> until Steve Irwin throws a T-shirt on his face and pile drives it. Just, just, <laughs> just FYI, there's also an album called by an artist named John Williamson called Wildlife Warriors. It's time a tribute to Steve Irwin. Oh, that sounds Done. amazing. It's only nine forty nine for the whole album. That does sound like a phenomenal <laughs> album. Here, here's a question for you guys. That, that that's Australia related. Has any of, have any of you guys tried to play a didgeridoo? No, <laughs> no. I one time there was one at like a store, or my friend had one, and it's shockingly hard. I would venture to say it's the hardest instrument there is to play. I'm glad that you're talking about playing a didgeridoo on 420. I see mm. what you did there. Yeah. Jesse's listening to a little DMB, playing his didgeridoo. <laughs> just, just relaxing. Me and McConaughey. He's up to, <laughs> up to 35 in a hacky sack tournament. Okay. Uh, what are we doing here? Slices. 420. Podcast. Uh, you were just listening to Godier. That's where, that's where we got. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard of Monsters and Men with Mountain Sound, uh, which also sounds like a didgeridoo. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, it's uh, time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Well, as you guys know, I'm I'm really uh, uh, obsessed with journalism stories that that tend to bury the lead. That is, they they're about uh, uh, a topic, but yet there is more another interesting story that's simply alluded to later in it. And I, I clicked on a uh, I saw a headline which obviously I clicked on that is that was um, entitled "Intelligent Space Dinosaurs: How <laughs> Worried Should We Be." Was this the Weekly World News? <laughs> no, this is the Christian Science Monitor, a relatively reputable newspaper, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, because there's Chris- no way I don't care. I don't care where I see that headline. I'm clicking on it. We need to clarify. This is not like a academic journal written by Christian scientists. Yeah, I think I think the Christian Science Monitor doesn't really have the affiliation with Christian Science. It's sort of like the Washington Times and the Moonies. They are not. It, it, it it's to, been yeah. around for over a hundred years. Yeah, they're owned by. But the it was started too. by the 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 individual who started the the Christian Science Church. It'd be it'd be, it'd be like if the Washington Times was, was called the Mooney Monitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why would they keep the name if they're not associated? I don't know. Are they the ones that coined the phrase for uh, dinosaurs calling them Jesus horses, or was that someone else? <laughs> I think I think that was Paul. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's in First Timothy. It's an epistle. Yeah, that's in a non-canonized book of the Bible. Uh, so 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 anyway, I, I clicked on this headline because obviously, if you see a headline that says "Intelligent Space Dinosaurs," how worried should you be? You're going to read it. So uh, the article is looking actually at another article that was in an academic journal um, that uh, an individual at Columbia University, a chemist, had written, and he, for some unexplainable reason, he decided to write that this whole credible article, which I read some of. And it's the most boring thing I've ever read, um, up until the last line. Uh, the article 
is a, is called evidence of the likely origin of hemoclarity and amino acid sugars and neurocides in prebiotic earth. It's a, it's a very very boring article, right. but. Uh, so, so he writes this whole article about these amino acids and, and sugars and things that can be found on different substances. And the, the last line is, it talks about how if there was a meteor that hit Earth that one, at one point carried life forms, here's the implication. Such life forms could well be advanced version of dinosaurs if mammals did not have the good fortune to have, uh, sorry, let me read that again. We're, we're in the ditch, guys. <laughs> Such life forms could well be advanced version of dinosaurs. If mammals, if the mammals did not have the good fortune to have been wiped out by an asteroid collision as we did on Earth, we would be better off not meeting them. So anyway, he writes this long paper in an academic journal for the only conclusion to be there might be intelligent space dinosaurs that if we meet, we're in big trouble. <laughs> because because he's he's basically saying that uh, evolutionary theory would say that these dinosaurs would be getting smarter and smarter over the eons, and that if they were not wiped out here on Earth, we would have a race of super intelligent evolved dinosaurs, and that... If if the biological evolution happened here on Earth, that it probably is happening in another planet somewhere else, that planet, having not been hit by the asteroid to wipe out the dinosaurs like we were, are going to be breeding a race of super dinosaurs, is basically what he's saying. Is that correct? That's his conclusion. Okay. I, I, but, but to me, it's just his career arc that's so fascinating. Like, <laughs> he, he spent his whole life studying chemistry. Uh, you know, he, he's won all these uh, awards and accolades for his research in chemistry, and he's writing this paper about these decades and decades of research. But is he just trying to answer in his mind, how likely is it that Earth will be taken over by intelligent space dinosaurs? <laughs> is that the end game? Probably. If so, I applaud this man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, if we could all have such aspirations. So the know? Christian Science Monitor, what did they say? Should we be worried about super intelligent space dinosaurs? Oh, no. It's highly unlikely. Yeah, I've seen the T-Rex's arms. I'm not afraid of that. Yeah, he can't fly a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see how he's going to operate a flying saucer. Yeah. <laughs> With his little three fingers. Yeah. They're like, that's going to be able to handle a ray gun. Yeah. <laughs> that's no match for my blunderbuss. <laughs> well, if Michael Bay ever makes a, a Barney movie, there he has his backstory right there. <laughs> oh, Barney movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, don't give him the idea. He probably will. I love you. You love me. Come see explosions in 3D. Nice. <laughs> That's the movie poster right there. Right there. Boom. I'm Done. going on break. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the only dialogue in the whole film. As well. <laughs> Other no, than no, that, no. it's just the invasion. No, of no, no, because no, there, no, the "I love you, you love me" would actually have to set up the whole premise of some romantic. Uh, dinosaur love thing that happens, you know. You don't need dialogue for that. All right. Uh, okay. Let's see how he does. Calvin, did you come prepared with a slice? I do. I have a slice. All right. Um, a 17-year-old teenager in China recently sold his kidney to buy an iPad. <laughs> he received uh, $3,500 American for his kidney. That's an expensive iPad. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe he got some other stuff, some apps. Yeah, I got some pretty sweet apps. He bought the whole Angry Birds catalog. (laughs) A cover. All the seasons. I like space, by the way. Angry Birds space. Yeah, I already beat it. It's It's so much fun. I got three stars on all of them already. Good for you, Rob. I was obsessed for a few days. Um, Well, this made me think of like other things that, or things that I might sell my kidney for. Okay. Um, Would you assume a same market rate for your kidney? Or would you think it'd be more? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is that the going rate? Or is that just country specific? Well, I Did, think that there were other expenses in there. I think you know the doctor's fees. So that comes out of the thirty five hundred. I believe so. It's probably a finder's shouldn't fee. The, shouldn't the sell, shouldn't the buyer pay <laughs> the closing costs? I well, yeah. I mean, it depends if the kidneys in escrow. And how long that that takes? Right, that's true. Yeah. Mm. And how did the inspection go? Was he a drinker? You mm. know, did that devalue it at all? Would that matter? Well, he's 17 years old, so it was... I guess I'm thinking of a liver. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, I don't know. What do kidneys effect. do if... The, I th- okay, so livers, they filter. Yeah. 
What what is no, it? No, yeah, the li- no, the liver. What gives you converts, jaundice? Where does jaundice come? That's from, from the liver. Oh, that converts the alcohol from something. You're thinking the kidneys of scurvy. Filter. <laughs> so you, so just, <laughs> you just need to eat more limes, <laughs> and that that increases the value of your kidney exponentially if you just go on. From a high what I understand, <laughs> I, I'm not a doctor, but I think if you eat a lot of limes, you're so, looking at a pretty so pricey a, kidney. a kidney a kidney filter. So th- yeah. like 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 if you drink a lot of soda, kidney stones are pretty likely. Because this is what my mom would tell me as I would go through three or four two liters a day of Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. Kidney stones. How was your yeah. lime intake at the time? You're supposed to. Well, I got Diet Coke with lime. You're supposed to drink okay. cranberry you're, juice. You're covered. So, so what does a liver do then? Uh, I think the liver converts Something or breaks. I think it breaks. It breaks down sugars. Maybe is there a duodenum I'm connected f- to something? I think there's du- a du- duodenum. Duodenum. Yeah, I think that's connected to the liver. That's what I thought. So, yeah. Hang on. Let me. I'm. Uh, it uh, does detox detoxification, protein synthesis, what, what and production it? of biochemicals necessary for digestion. So, what are you talking about? The liver? Yeah. What does uh, the kidney do then? The kidney filters. Well, what's the difference between filter stuff. and detox? Because uh, I think, hang on. And you have two of both, right? Uh, you have no, liver. you have one liver. So, if your liver dies, you're screwed. You get jaundice. You get jaundice when your liver is failing. So, why do newborn babies have jaundice? I think it's something to do with the fulgrim. It's 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 caused by increased Fulgrim? levels of bilirubin. Oh yeah, yeah. of what? Bilirubin. Uh, the bilirubin. He was a slugger the... for the Yankees in the yeah, 1950s. Good old, good old bilirubin. <laughs> I have his rookie cards. They named a sandwich after him. <laughs> good old bilirubin. <laughs> I don't want to read all this. <laughs> it's a really long Wikipedia entry. Well, it is the I, biology I, of the human body. Yeah, you know? I don't care. As I don't think it's it, like they can't recap it in four sentences. As long as it I, works. I, I'm I'm interested to hear what what Calvin. His conclusion about what he would sell his kidney for. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I'm open to you know get some ideas from everyone else here. I didn't easy know segue. If someone has <laughs> right. a segue and they want my kidney, I'll deal right now. <laughs> you know. I don't know if I trade a kidney for that. For a segue, I trade a kidney for a trip to space. Wouldn't it be <laughs> ironic if the one thing that you need in space was your kidney? Was it two kidneys. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what because makes <laughs> that's what makes anti gravity possible. <laughs> 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 so everybody else is floating around, but Ryan's like just, just bolted to the he, seat. Basically, he's just, he's just pouting in the corner of the spaceship. Man, he, this, he this can't stinks. Do the <laughs> he can't float no. to the escort the food out and go and swim oh, toward man. it like a fish. You might as well just be back on Earth eating that foil patch of, pouch of astronaut food. Mm, that stuff was delicious. That stuff was gross. That stuff's so good. Like you go to the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian as a kid, and you're yeah. like, oh man, this is the coolest thing ever. I want to be an astronaut. And then you eat that pouch of like dehydrated, you know, fruit, and you're like, this is sick. I really like the ice cream. The ice cream is good. Yeah. yeah. Dippin' dots. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are thinking of the ice cream of the future. That's different. <laughs> By the way, when are we going to arrive at that future? Well, if they're selling it now, we are in that future. No, no, but I picture when you say this is the ice cream of the future, that means at some point it's going to replace the the like ice cream. Like I'm not going to go to, you know, uh, Brewster's or Dairy Queen or whatever and order a milkshake or a, a, an ice cream cone. I'm going to order Dippin' Dots. When is that future going to be a reality? Well, considering Dippin' Dots went bankrupt, I don't think it's ever going to be a reality. Well, it's because they were the the Dippin' Dots cartel leveraged all of their assets trying to muscle out the <laughs> cream industry. And uh, it, it's either that or like a, a a bowl of it, which was the equivalent of about eight teaspoons, cost nine dollars <laughs> at the mall. I think Doc Brown from Back to the Future was right. A man should never know too much about his own future. That's true. And somehow, you know, the CEO just. Got cocky and it's true. Dipping dots just it just it just died. I think and that kind of brings me to one of the things that I would sell my kidney for. It's the hoverboard from Back to the Future too. Mm. Working though, right? Working, yeah, yeah. a yeah. genuine hoverboard. And it, I mean, I'm it's okay if it doesn't work great over water as long as I can dash my foot a little bit. Yeah, but uh, that was one thing. If you dash your foot, wouldn't you just like fall off? I mean, if you- well, you know, he kind of tries to pedal in the in the in the water a little bit in that movie. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Or paddle. Then, yeah. 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 But then you just got Biff just standing there laughing at you. Yeah. 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 That's true. Another thing I might sell my kidney for might be uh, two iPads. <laughs> <laughs> a black and a white. <laughs> That's good. All right. What do you have, Ryan? All right. Uh, my news or my slice is also from this past weekend's Coachella. Um, and if you miss this, uh, you can actually see it again next week when all everything happens again. They're um, going to replay it? 
Well, Coachella is two weekends this year. Is it really? Yeah, and it's the same lineup. It is not. Yeah. Uh, Sunday night, the final night of the festival uh, for both weekends. The headliners are Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Um, I'm assuming they'll do this again, but this is the weirdest thing I think has ever happened at a music festival. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The weirdest? You're about to say something big. Yeah. The weirdest thing that's ever happened I at really a music festival. I really think this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, there was a, and, and there, music festivals are places where people get weird. I right. saw a I picture. I saw a picture of a girl in a full wedding dress hanging out just watching the shows. Yeah, this is weird. So either, either she's, yeah, she, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, they like, so they, you know, it had normal guests, like uh, at these big festivals, they bring out a lot of guests. So like Eminem showed up 50 cent was Khalifa, Kendrick Lamar, but, the, but they also brought out a three dimensional hologram of a shirtless Tupac. Yep. He performed two songs. Uh, one was with Snoop and Dre and they just rapped with him as if he was really there. And then he did a solo performance. Like when he comes out, he says like, Hey, what's up, Coachella? And like, I mean, it's like watching a like a real performance, and it's so creepy because like it looks really real, and then periodically you can see like light shining through him. But he's saying like, you know, get your hands in the air, everybody, and like, like he's the ghost of. Yeah, it's really weird. What have you seen the holograms that these pastors do? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the same kind of technology. That that, that is a weird thing to happen at a music festival, but I would still say one of the weirdest. <laughs> I was at Cornerstone a couple years ago, and a guy got <laughs> run over by his own car. He lived. Did he come back as a hologram? Yeah, <laughs> he did. So hey, he, he hey was guys. camping. He was camping on a hillside. Oh, and and, <laughs> and and picked an unfortunate place to put his sleeping bag. And the emergency brake on his car went out oh in the middle of the night God. and ran him over in his sleep. He was fine though. He was shockingly he was fine. He came back. The as car a got hologram. messed up because I think it rolled into a lake or something. But he came back as a hologram. And said, "Please, everybody, warn, yeah. watch out for this car." <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi is our sleep only on hope. the other side of your car. Yeah, no. he learned. He he's doling out his hologram is doling out life lessons now. Yeah, valuable lessons. His hologram goes around and speaks to kids at schools and tells them the dangers of sleeping under your car on a hill. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you would think that would be something that was self evident, but <laughs> thankfully there's a hologram out there to warn you just in case. <laughs> so okay. did anyone like did anyone like throw anything at the hologram on stage? No, like people just like it was it's so weird because it's like Tupac rises out of the stage and it looks like a performer and he's going like, Hey Coachella, like get your hands up, like So obviously it's a performance, a previous performance that they taped and they were able to digitize and do all this to project it the way they're projecting it. How did they get him to say Coachella? I have no idea. Cause it's it's clearly not Is it like, like Hey, Coachella. Well, <laughs> get your hands in the air. That's what I thought, but I mean like it's seamless if you watch it. It's crazy. I don't know how they did That's it. That's weirder than the girl in the wedding dress. Yeah. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that is weird. That's weirder than getting run over by your own car. Yeah. <laughs> Yours, Jesse, might be more tragic. Uh, no, he lived. He lived. <laughs> Unlike Tupac. I think he was uninjured. Unlike Tupac. So, mm, all right. Anyway. On that note, <laughs> on that creepy science dipping dots of the future note, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Sucre. You're listening to Chromatics. The song is The Page. You may not have heard of Sucre yet, but you know the people in it. Sucre is a new trio uh, featuring the vocals of Stacey King of Isley. Isley, yeah. Her husband, Darren King of Mute Math on drums. Crazy drummer, yeah. And rounded out by multi-instrumentalist Jeremy Larson who has performed here on the podcast. He's done a lot of the string arrangements for Mute Math, and he's performed with them quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you think about it, all three of those artists have performed on the podcast. Boom. Sucre, brought to you by The Relevant Podcast. (laughs) Um, The trio's debut album is called A Minor Bird, and it's it's kind of a, a blend of 60s psychedelia 
and the intimacy of 70s singer-songwriter. It's really interesting. The album released last week and is available everywhere. Our very own Elise Gilligan recently spoke to him. This is Stacy King of Sucre. now that the album is released it's surreal kind of because you know I've just been listening to this album so long now it it really is a very sentimental record to me because it was birthed out of um, a time where Darren and I were just you know newly engaged and and getting married and and it it also reminds me of getting to know Jeremy and us all bonding together you know it's pretty amazing that people are now going to hear that and I hope that they can ascribe like their own feelings to the, to the and meanings to the songs and hopefully I want this record to be sentimental to everyone not just me you know called A Minor Bird, which I read you took from the poem of the same name by Robert Frost. And the poem talks about wanting to send away a bird who's always singing, but then it concludes that there must be something wrong and wanting to silence any song. What was it about this poem that you connected with as you started working through these songs? It's not, I don't think it's as deep as it could be, you know, but Robert Frost is definitely one of my favorite poets, and Darren actually introduced me to him like years ago when we were dating. So there was that connection that I felt really strongly about. Um, And then I just kind of, you know, I just felt like he would have something for me that would relate to this record. And that that title specifically, maybe more than the poem itself, I just really uh, responded to. I felt like it fit the record and it fit me as an individual. I feel like sometimes I can be a bit of a minor bird and, and be a little pessimistic, you know? So I think I think that's how I related to it, you know? And, and I feel like a lot of times I, I can be like that bird, you know, that you can't, that I can't silence, like, my own voice. I, I have to do music, even though at times I kind of want to, you know? listening through the album I was reminded of so many other genres and artists it's just a blend of several others um, I, it's like everything from St. Vincent to Imogen Heap and Sigur Rós um, and I was wondering for you who or, or what even do you think influences your style as you're writing? I think I am a melody writer like that. that's what I go for I go for really emotional melodies that kind of pull you in When I sit down, that's kind of what I'm searching for. Um, As far as music, I haven't bought a record in since I don't know when. (laughs) But like my, but I haven't had to because my husband is like a crazy record collector, so he collects vinyl, and um, and he's constantly buying records. There's vinyl playing at, at the house, like all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, like anything from Indian to like old Motown stuff. And and so, yeah, that's been really, I think he's influenced my style a lot in that way. You know, it's, I have a lot of a broader perspective of like older music that I didn't really have before.
played so much music now with, with family members. What do you think are pros and cons of creating music with people who are so close and intimate with you? Huh. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I can't think of any cons currently. It's cool. I mean, you know each other, you know how you work, kind of know boundaries. And, and like, I noticed with Aaron working with him, he pushes me in a, in a good way. It's not too much. He challenges me, you know, and I can, I trust him, you know. I think there's like, it's, it's a, it can be a really great thing. It can also be a really fragile thing too, you know, if you're very sensitive like I am. But it always turns out for the better. That was Sucre. Learn more at sucreofficial.com. listening to Ascend the Hill. The song is so good to us. It's actually one of Chad's favorite new album. Yeah, I really like these guys a lot. It's good worship music. And they were here on the podcast they a were. year and a half ago. Yeah. Yep. Nicole Baker Fulgram is the president and founder of the Expectations Project, a network of faith-motivated advocates working to ensure all public school children receive a high-quality education. Nicole grew up in Detroit where she saw the academic achievement gap in her neighborhood schools. She graduated from uh, public school in Detroit, and then she went to the University of Michigan, where her faith became a central theme in her life. After school, she joined Teach for America and taught fifth grade in Compton, California. Over time, she joined the senior leadership team for Teach for America, and not too long ago, uh, branched out and started the Expectations Project. It's a fascinating organization our very own Ryan Ham recently spoke to her. Here is Nicole Baker Fulgram. Before you started your current uh, current venture, the Expectations Project, uh, you were at Teach for America, and I guess I was just curious, like, why did you feel the need to start your own organization? Well, I think it it largely came out of the work I did um, at Teach for America. Mm -hmm. So I worked on the national staff at Teach for America for about 10 years and did a couple of different roles. I trained all of our teachers and was responsible on my team and I was responsible for making sure they were effectively trained and supported during their two years in the classroom. But the last um, two and a half to three years I was at Teach for America, I got a chance to help start a new initiative that reached out to faith-based communities to encourage young people of faith to apply to Teach for America as, you know, as a way to put their faith in action on a massive social problem, and also to inspire faith leaders to consider educational inequity as in Teach for America's mission as something we wanted to support more broadly. And so it just sort of grew out of that. Um, Teach for America is not a faith-based organization, so we started to see more and more potential to engage the faith community and the leadership and myself sort of realized this has huge, huge potential, but it probably is its own organization just so it can sort of, you know, have its own defined mission. And ultimately this mission will certainly support Teach for America's goals too, but um, it just gives it a unique faith identity, which I think gives us um, broader potential to really impact uh, the faith community on this issue. something that you guys are very clearly uh, devoted to with the Expectations Project is actually, I mean, just what it says, expectations and establishing those for uh, for kids. What have you seen in your own life that's led you to believe that high expectations are the best way to get kids to learn? Well, you know, actually, it's a pretty personal issue for me. So I grew up in Detroit and um, 
went to a public high school mm-hmm. in Detroit that was um, an exam high school is what they called it and so it's a school that you have to take a test to get into and um, they were very, it's a very competitive school to get in but again it's a public high school in the city of Detroit which you know Detroit doesn't exactly have the best reputation for high quality public education but this particular school was phenomenal um, once you got into the school, there was, again, this expectation that you were going to go to college from day one. No one questioned it. You know, we had PSAT preparation, SAT preparation, college recruiters coming to recruit, you know, this kids from this predominantly African-American high school, public high school in Detroit. With you know, AP classes, I think my, I know my, my high school chemistry teacher had a PhD in chemistry from the University of Michigan. Like, it was just this insane level of great college preparation and mm-hmm. AP everything, Latin, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in contrast, the kids who went to the neighborhood public school in my community in Detroit had a completely different experience. You know, literally, you know, I had friends who said no one ever talked to them about college at their school for four years. Um, half of the students dropped out every, um, half of the graduating class didn't make it um, from, from becoming freshmen. 50% dropout rate, um, very few of any AP classes just a completely different set of expectations. It was almost as if people decided and predetermined that probably any kids from that school would actually go to college. So no one ever talked about it. No one ever prepared them for it. And so for me, that really stuck out for me as a kid because these are my friends in my neighborhood who I thought were just as smart as my brother and I were who went to this other school. But it was very clear that we were getting prepared for two very different futures. Kids obviously need a lot of support if they're far behind saying you can do it isn't enough. Yeah. But finding, you know, tutors and, you know, setting big goals, you know, talking to, to parents about how we can all achieve together and, and building a community around that. I saw my kids gain a tremendous amount of, of academic growth in a given year. And so those two experiences for me, you know, as I often say, no one can convince me that um, kids in low-income communities can achieve because... I just believe deeply in that potential. I've seen it when it hasn't been um, pulled out of kids, and I've seen it when it has. And it's just a dramatic difference. I I would just say that um, there's so much room, I think, for for Christians and people of faith to engage in this issue, and I think it's just right for us to, to step out and take a stand. And, you know, so many of us are concerned about eliminating poverty um, in this country and in this world and I, at the end of the day if we don't provide provide kids particularly kids in poor communities with a high quality education then that is the path out for, for most of us it's just not going to happen if we don't address this fundamental issue so I'd encourage folks uh, to look at ways in their own community and, and definitely check out the Expectations Project uh, as an organization to get connected to as we grow and build and we're excited to work with anyone who's interested That was Nicole Baker Fulgram. Check out The Expectations Project at theexpectationsproject.org. You're listening to Baron Heaven. <laughs> Maya? <laughs> An angelic bear right oh. there. I see. I just pictured a holographic bear. <laughs> yeah. In heaven. Uh, <laughs> the song is Sinful Nature, ironically enough. Oh. See, bear is nature, heaven, spiritual. The song, spiritual nature. Sin- Sounds very Sinful Gnostic. Nature. Yeah. So, so it really worked well on this one, but I don't know how they could keep up that kind of symbolism um, or parallel with their other songs. So they probably just released this one and retired. Broke up. Yep. <laughs> like New Radicals. <laughs> 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 one single and they broke up. Um, Bear in Heaven, Simple Nature. Went down on top. <laughs> uh, okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we couldn't think of a question. So we asked you to ask us. So you guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your questions for us there. Now, a lot of you uh, went through the effort of asking individual questions to individual podcast members. Unfortunately, because Maya is not here, 
maybe she'll answer all of hers next week or something. But uh, um, anyway, you guys sent a lot of good questions. Here's here's a few of them. Okay, so uh, T Money Nine Thousand, who we all know and love. We don't know him. We don't know who he is actually. We don't know if it's him. Yeah, T Money Nine Thousand asked Cameron, why, "Why do you love the Magic so much? You give them so much love. Mm. Do they love you back?" Mm. See, it's a rough week to ask that question, Team here's, Money. Here's the thing. They do love me back. Ooh. And uh, they give me a check for $10,000 for every win hmm. where I heckle the opposing fans. Or the, uh, No, that's not true. I, why do I love the Magic? I don't know. I, I actually, when the Magic went to the finals and I was tweeting a lot about sports um, and I was getting a lot of people unfollowing me, it had to actually make me think, why do I care? And I realized that so much of my life, I... Um, I'm in control, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do what I do, and we do it the way we want to do it. And uh, like, I feel like there's actually almost like a spiritual connection in sports, where like you are vested in something that's bigger than you, uh, and you have no control of what happens. Yet it affects you, you know. And I, I like it. Really, I had to go through some like self awareness. And um, what it comes down to is, I just I don't know. I enjoy it. Mm. Why do you do anything that you enjoy? Because mm-hmm. you like it. Right. Jesse, what's your favorite cheese? <laughs> Easy, pepper jack. <laughs> next, next question. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's pepper jack. <laughs> you, got, you got a little spice in there. It's still cheese, but you got some spice, you know? Like, so, I, I eat pepper jack mozzarella sticks. So, so, I mean, so, they're, so, te- they're technically not mozzarella yeah, sticks. Yeah, they're pepper jack sticks. But you know what I'm talking about, like the, like the, the pull and peel the string, cheese sticks. String cheese. So you're a big uh, queso fan at Chili's, where they put oh, the... I love, I love it. Yeah. I get... Yeah, I could, I could, or if, if it was, if it wouldn't have, you know, uh, bad health effects, I would eat chips and queso every day as a, as a meal. Yeah, it's it good. really good. It's good. Um, yeah. T Money asks Ryan, what is your favorite book? My favorite book? Overall. What's Boring. Your, what's your favorite book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, it's, it's the Bible, T Money. <laughs> um, it's a trick question. I'm going to give a really English major answer. Uh, oh gosh! Sorry, <laughs> John uh, Cusack's The Raven, probably The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that becoming a movie? Soon? Not good. No, no. In 3D. Oh, don't. Yeah. What do you mean? The Gatsby's were great. Everybody loved the Gatsby. <laughs> yeah. How do you think Gatsby became such a great magician? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you named your cat Gatsby. I did. No. Yes, Ryan was a single man with a yeah. cat named Gatsby. Yeah, he's, a, he's the best cat ever. Like, he's seriously like if you ever he looks have, a little like John Cusack. <laughs> you know, if you ever want to have like Gatsby is an apologetic for cats. Hmm. Like even people who hate cats love him. But he's great. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he's the great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Oh man, um, we're pulling out of this nosedive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, does anyone have a favorite episode of the relevant podcast? No, no. Uh, this one would be mine. This is <laughs> pretty sure uh, nailed it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Kiki Pounds asks, "Who is your favorite listener slash commenter of all oh, time?" She's fishing. She is no. not going to give it. But I'm going to say T Money Nine Thousand. <laughs> um, Jesse, do you have? Do you wear pants when you do the podcast? Uh, I, I, I do. I actually wear uh, a velour Sean John tracksuit. <laughs> um, I paid $300 for this. And the thinking is anything that's in like an audio medium that you're recording turns right. to gold if you're wearing a velour Sean John tracksuit. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure it's a men's tracksuit either, but I paid for it. <laughs> When you pay that kind of dough for this thing, you're wearing it no matter what. Because it's teal, and so you can't really tell. It, it, it is teal. Says, it is a it is a, a gender neutral color. And it also says "smack that" on the seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The it, it's it's. Oh. And I, I sweat profusely the entire <laughs> podcast. You would think they would breathe well because how comfortable they look, but it's incredible. It's an oven in this thing. <laughs> uh, Jeff Payne asks Jesse, "Where can I find your Tumblr page? Do you still have your um, Tumblr page?" That 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 Tumblr page has unfortunately been inactive since I launched it. 
<laughs> I set it up one night, like really inspired. And then I was trying to get comments added and it like blew out the HTML. And I was like, ah, I'm going to watch TV. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to, I'm going to find the, I, I don't even remember the URL, but hang on, I'll find it real quick. In the meantime, uh, Ryan, what is your favorite album and or artist and why? Of all time? Yeah, it's impossible. Uh, favorite album, mm-hmm. uh, kind of blew my Miles Davis. Okay. Favorite artist, probably Radiohead. Calvin, what's your favorite album? I'm just curious. I'd have to go with, uh, and I think this is just a, just a, a blanket true statement about the, where music peaked. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Amy Grant Christmas? <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> the first one or the second one? The which one? Which is the one with Emmanuel on it? And uh, I think the first one. What, what's the song? The one song is it? Uh, Heart in Motion. The Mary song. Breath of Heaven. Breath of Heaven. Oh, Breath that's a good one. The, the great thing about that album is it's good all year round. Holidays <laughs> or no holidays, it really is. I don't know how like, many it could times. Mid August, and I'm rocking that. You know, yeah. just feeling good. My the first song I ever learned was Breath of Heaven on the didgeridoo. <laughs> it's really hard. It took, it, it took three and a half years. To yeah, master. it did. Yeah, it's a limited instrument because there's one note, really. So yeah. you kind of have to just fill in the gaps with your facial expression. Just echoes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a lot of dance moves and stuff. Yeah. Okay. The the Tumblr page is gentlemen plur, uh, singular gentlemen's guide to everything there are three entries. <laughs> and there's a code problem on there, too, that I haven't been able to figure out so since June every, 2011 when it was updated. So everything is a pretty limited category. But, but feel free to read those entries. Yeah, they're good. One last question to address, uh, because both Beans, Beans and Rice and War Elephant 113 asked, uh, where'd Josh Loveless go? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, Josh, I guess it was in the around Christmas, New Year. Um, he was... Oh, part-time with us anyway. He uh, was at some one point while he was with us for three years, he was a pastor. Uh, another point, he was running a record label. Another point, he was working on a movie. He likes to dabble. Uh, so now he's doing uh, more of that. He's still working with label, uh, still working with uh, independent film. And he's actually now, I just saw a couple weeks ago, he's now managing John Mark McMillan. It's true. So... Yeah, so Josh is just, it just was scheduling. It was just, you know, the, all the other things going on. So we love him. We bless him. He's uh, just out there on the road now, I guess, or doing his thing. All right. Maybe, is, maybe we'll answer some of the other questions on the podcast episode page. Oh. We could, we could always chime in and, and We reply. could actually just literally reply. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. So. Okay, we'll do if that. If your question didn't get answered, look on the podcast episode page. We'll do that. Okay. Now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so earlier we were talking about Coachella. We were talking about the uh, weirdest things ever at Coachella. The girl walking around in the wedding dress clearly had it all figured out. You know, Uh, (laughs) clearly a stable individual. (laughs) Uh, She saw. She understood Coachella at a level none of uh, the rest of us will ever. you know the hologram on stage the the guy getting run over by his own car while he slept we've anybody who's been to a music festival has seen some weird stuff we want to know what it is we want you to tell us what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a music festival I also I also at Cornerstone that year people brought their own lumber to live in to build tree houses to live in (laughs) yeah really that's that's oh yeah uh, one year was that the year you were there for us uh, as part yeah. of the road crew? <laughs> yeah, both of these incidents happened that year. Jesse Carey started out with us uh, interning, heading up our festival road crew. <laughs> the, uh, he drove the Relevan around the country. Oh, the Relevan! Yes, yeah. Jesse, we survived. We survived. Uh, what was actually we had switched over to your uh, uh, expedition. That's right. To haul the trailer. That's right. Because the Relevan. And we we were actually in a, in a pretty insane accident too. Where the trailer flipped three times on the interstate. <laughs> yet yet did not hit the expedition. Wow. Correct. That is correct. We jackknife ended up in the other lane of the highway. Wasn't it hanging on by the chain? Like it came yeah, off? Yeah, the chain held us uh, uh, to the trailer. The impact was so we, had, we were carrying all of the books at the time and like Rubbermaid bins, yeah. you know? There, when we when we were transferring all of the contents uh, from the from the obliterated trailer to a new one provided to us by U-Haul, there was a book 
had a piece of Rubbermaid bin that had shot through it. <laughs> like, that's how crazy yeah. the impact was, that a piece of Rubbermaid shot through a book. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like a power team move. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And so, everyone was okay, just like the guy that got run over by his own car. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you... It, well, half There's of our, a lot of miracles that summer. Half of, our, <laughs> half of our book inventory wasn't okay. It was a very costly crash, even though... You, it was. I wasn't driving, but... So y'all had some black ice? Like, what happened? How did it happen? No, no, no. <laughs> well... <laughs> That, okay, for one, that, I mean, I guess enough time has passed. You're I like, for make... one, it was 420. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we had we had a trailer that had a very clearly listed weight capacity. Oh no! Uh, which which we would. Uh, you know, knowingly and, you know, w- without caution, uh, over, over Phil. And it really wasn't that big a deal. But if you, once you hit 60 miles an hour, like the trailer would start to fishtail back and forth. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And so, oh, wow. so I, I had, I made it the whole, this was literally the last stop of the whole summer. I've been on the road for like three months and it was the last one. We were leaving, we'd come back to Florida. I had gotten two new dudes to come up to, with me for the last stop. It was at Purple Door in Pennsylvania. Two n- nude dudes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were they were nude. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I had I'd been working with these two guys all summer. We had, there was a last stop, so it was two new guys. And uh, I had driven the first leg and I've been driving. I'm used to the fishtailing. And so I, I, I literally, I pull into a gas station, I get out and I'm like, all right, one of the guys is going to take over. I'm like, listen to me. If, if the trailer starts fishtailing, do not overcorrect. Do not start turning the wheel thinking that's going to solve the problem. I'm like, J- just, just keep going. It, it'll correct itself. Don't speed up. Just don't turn the wheel. We, as soon as he pulls onto the interstate, we start going back and forth violently, and he starts jerking the wheel back and forth. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're in the opposite way, uh, jackknife with a flip trailer. So this is a life lesson. Think about the, what you instructed him. If it starts to get a little off, don't. I mean, it'll correct itself. Just stay on the path. Keep your eyes on the prize, where you're going. Life, it happens, but it'll all work itself out. If you start yeah. herking and jerking and reacting to circumstances, what happens? You're going to nearly kill us. <laughs> you turn around <laughs> in the wrong And, and I, not only did I have to call you guys back in the office and tell, you know, to inform everyone that, most of the inventory was nearly destroyed at <laughs> <laughs> that summer too. We were carrying, it was at the time the first Narnia movie was coming out and we were carrying around all of the Narnia gear. So I had to call the Narnia people and they were not happy either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bad enough that you destroyed all of our books, but if you start messing with the, the wardrobe, yeah, the lion yeah, and the witch the, come after you. The, the other story, like we, I had met you guys in Denver and we had just got back from a couple of festivals and I had, in cash, like $15,000 in $10 bills. It was a good summer. From selling like, you know, t-shirts and, and books for like three festivals. So I walked to a post office with the money in my pocket and I, cause I needed travel, I needed to get like traveler's checks or, or money orders, you know, so I could ship it back to the office. And I looked like death. Like I had a, a long hair and a beard and it was summer and I smelled bad and looked terrible. And I walked to the post office and I was like, do you guys do money orders? And like, yeah, we do them in increments of $500. I'm like, cool. I'm going to need some for all of this. And I just started pulling out wads of $10 bills and, and putting it on the counter. And the guy looked at me and he asked me, he said, where did you get all this money? And I just looked at him. I said, selling stuff. <laughs> and he, he gave me the money orders. Selling kidneys. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I got to go get some Both iPads. <laughs> okay, so we want to know what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a music festival. Head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Post your replies there. We will read our favorites on next week's show. Many thanks to Sucre uh, for talking to us. Check out their new album, available everywhere, or uh, learn more at sucreofficial.com. And thanks to Nicole Baker-Fulgram of The Expectations Project. Uh, You can learn more at theexpectationsproject.org. If you're a podcast fan, we would love for you to be a fan of the magazine as well. This podcast is underwritten by the magazine, and your support of it and being a reader and subscriber uh, makes it all possible. If you're not a subscriber yet, 
uh, head over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe and you get a lot for your money. We actually uh, give you $137 worth of stuff for your $14.95 subscription. It's four albums. It's uh, Reject Apathy. It's the iPad edition and also the print edition of Relevant. Uh, we'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate the support. Relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Calvin Kearley. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rhymes. But the lack thereof would make me empty inside. I would swallow my doubt. Turn it inside. I'll find nothing but faith in nothing. I want to put my tender heart in a blender. Watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. If someone's aiming a blunderbuss at you, you know, you know you made a huge mistake.